Hello, this is Kalia in 2020. What you are about to hear is the remastered version of the episode that you clicked on. Why? Well, it turns out that when I started this podcast, I got some incorrect information regarding copyright law and fair use policy. After nearly two years of making content, this oversight was brought to my attention. There was mild panic, lots of guilt, and then a few fervent nights doing research. It seems we might exist in this gray, nebulous area of fair use for critique and commentary, and thus our use of a teeny tiny bit of the music from the soundtracks of the movies that we are critiquing and commenting on might be allowable. But then again, it might not. So a few things. One, I don't want to be a jerk, even accidentally. Two, I think it's important to acknowledge when you mess up. But three, and this is key, I think acknowledging your mess up isn't enough. You have to rectify the situation if possible. And guess what? It's totally possible to go back into these old episodes and clip out the maybe legal, maybe just slightly crappy bit of audio and replace it with a bit of music created just for me by the same composer and performer who made us our theme music, which is what I'm going to do. And since I can't help but tinker just a smidge, I might clean up a teeny tiny bit of audio noise while I'm in there. I mean, I've learned a lot over the last two years, and who knows, you might be stumbling upon this podcast feed years from now. So why should your present day ears be punished? Because way back in time, I hadn't yet found the noise reduction button. Anyway, without further ado, here is the podcast you came here for. Just slightly better. Thanks for listening. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Special guest. Special guest. Hello and welcome to Pages and Popcorn Podcast, the podcast where I, Kalia, a huge book nerd, talk about movies based on books, as well as the original source material. Today I am joined by a very special guest, and I will get to her in just a sec. But first, but first, I want to remind you all of the ways that you can connect with Pages and Popcorn Podcast on the internet. As you know, we have a webpage where you can find sources, references, and updates about the show. You can also connect to us via our Facebook page or our Twitter, both searchable by typing Pages and Popcorn Podcast into your search bar. So no matter how you do the social media thing, you can connect with us. And of course, you are welcome to email us directly at pagesandpopcornpodcast at gmail.com. We want to really encourage you to rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on, especially iTunes, because that will help other people find us. And as always, we want to thank our patrons for their ongoing support. One dollar a month, or five if you are especially generous, helps us keep doing this. And I really love doing this. So let me introduce my very special guest. You might have noticed that was all me in the intro this morning, afternoon, or evening, or whenever it is that you're listening. Jennifer is not here today, not in the studio, but I do have Sindel with me. Sindel, would you like to say hello to the audience? Hello, audience. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I am very glad to have you here. This is this is very exciting for me, personally, <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's exciting for you, too. <laughs> We are going to be doing the book Practical Magic, which was published in 1995 and then made into a movie in 1998. So not a lot of time between the two. And before we get to the recap, um, Sindel, I asked you specifically to be my guest for this very specific book and movie combo because um, you're Sandra Bullock's stunt double, right? That's obviously why you would be here. That that would be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) 
if that were true, <laughs> yes. Uh, no, okay. So really, uh, though, um, would you like to share your personal why you're here, and then we'll get into the recap? Yeah, so I am here because I am a practicing witch, and I have been a uh, pagan practicing witchcraft for over 20 years now. I run a local group here that practices the uh, Wiccan Sabbaths as they go through the wheel of the year. I'm also on our uh, local city mayor's uh, faith-based council as the sole pagan entity, and I am just a, a witch in aficionado. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. And we will talk more uh, specifically about what it means to be a witch and the different types of witches and that word pagan that you tossed around a little bit. And, um, but first, but first, I'm going to do our recap. So settle back, friends. (laughs) We've got quite a bit of recap to do. Okay. First, we have the novel. The book is very poetic in tone and full of deep, sensual details. The basic plot is as follows. Jillian and Sally are orphan children when their parents die in a fire started by lightning. The two girls go to live with their aunts, who are witches, the best-kept non-secret secret in the sleepy East Coast town. The ancestors of the aunts, the Owens women, as they are called, have always been witches, and there is a curse about death befalling any man who loves an Owens woman. Or maybe it's the man that an Owen woman love. It's a little bit murky. The children in the town are cruel to the sisters and tease them. The girls are outcasts. The aunts, who are not overly described until much later in the book, like seriously, they're not even named until like the last 20 pages of this book, are small and magic and eschew all sorts of rules. The girls are allowed to roam free and be little vagabonds. They are allowed to eat chocolate cake for dinner and have no bedtime. They deal with their parents' death and the living of the aunts in very opposite ways. Sally becomes a little domestic goddess. She cooks nutritious meals, she cleans, she wants nothing more than to be normal. Jillian is her polar opposite. The aunts do magic, mostly love spells, and the girls watch in secret and vow to never fall in love because it controls you, and they see all the horrible repercussions. One story of note is the girl from the pharmacy who lusts after a married man, gives up her voice in order to obtain him, and he drives her freaking nuts. He's so in love with her, he will not leave her alone. The adage of be careful what you wish for is in full force. When the girls get into high school, Jillian becomes a beauty and all the boys suddenly love her and she runs through them like me eating a package of Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) Also, Jillian wants the magic, but Sally is pretty firmly against it and acts as if she doesn't believe in it. Eventually, Jillian runs off to continue going through men and living her best life, which is all chaos and drinking and adventure, and Sally stays behind. Sally falls in love with a nice normal guy who loves her back and even wins over the aunts. They get married, have two daughters, and the town starts to accept Sally as normal. But then tragedy strikes. Her husband is killed, and Sally regresses into a deep depression. Jillian calls her and tries to help, but Sally pretty much just sleeps away a year of her life and then finally gets up and moves herself and her daughters out of the aunt's house into another part of the state. They settle into a normal neighborhood, and Sally gives her daughters what she always wanted, normalcy. Of course, they still go back to the aunts every summer for a month in August, and the girls are allowed to run wild and eat chocolate cake for dinner, etc., etc. Time passes. The girls grow up. Antonia is now 16 and beautiful, and Kylie is 12 and gawky. And then Jillian arrives in the middle of the night one summer with the body of her dead boyfriend in their car. Seems that they were living in Arizona, and he was selling drugs to college kids, and some of those college kids died. So they took off. And also, he was an abusive, sadistic piece of crap who hit Jillian and raped her and had a violent temper, so she had been dosing him with nightshade, as you do, in his booze for months to make him sleep. And as they were driving, he keeled over, and she is pretty sure it's because she had slowly poisoned him, even though she didn't really mean to, and she is very distraught. 
Sally decides that for safety reasons, they will bury the dead Jimmy in the garden near where the lilacs grow. So there you have it. Dead Jimmy, bury in the backyard. But this is a magical realism book, so of course, he will haunt them. The teenagers are dealing with their own stuff and are unwitting pawns in Sally and Julian's pleas for love and affection. Julian helps Kylie cut and dye her hair when she turns 13, and va-va-voom, it's a very big deal. She looks great, but she looks adult, and Sally is understandably pissed off and hurt. Time continues to pass. Julian is in love with and loved by a high school teacher named Ben, and she tries to rebuff him, even though they're both madly in love with one another. Sally is going nuts with a secret about the dead body in the garden, and the teens are both growing through their own special changes and growing up shit. They don't get along, and Tony is jealous of Kylie's new beauty. Also, they just start his heart to drift apart. It's unsettling. No one knows how to fix it, partly because, again, the house is being haunted. It's a very long, strange summer. Oh, yes, Jimmy. Still haunting. This is very important. Haunting, 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 haunting. This happens through magic lilacs that grow and grow and magically affect anyone walking by. Also, there's a toad that upchucks Jimmy's signature ring, which Kylie finds and tosses by the kitchen sink. Kylie, by the way, seems to have the gift of magic as well. She is the only one who can see and sense Jimmy out there in the garden. From afar, the aunts must know that Jimmy is haunting them because they send an oil painting of Maria Owens, the first witch in the family, which Kylie hangs over her bed and Jillian's finally able to get some sleep. Sally has had enough of this haunting and Kylie talking about the strange man in the garden. She cuts down all the lilac bushes. Jillian decides to give Ben a chance. Important note about Ben. He is a magician. The rabbit in the hat card trick kind of magician. Jillian bonds with his rabbit. And no, that's not a euphemism. She bonds with his magic wand, too. And yes, that was the euphemism. Anyways, Kylie has a crush on the teacher, Ben, but she's finally given up that pipe dream and decides to make up with her former best friend, a dude named Gideon, that she sort of bailed on right after the disastrous haircut and drama. She bakes him a cake. She goes to take him a cake. And on the way to his house, she's followed by two assholes who really, really, really want to rape her. She escapes and goes to her sister Antonia for help. This near miss and trauma brings the sisters back together. Antonia has also started a very sweet relationship with a college boy and has matured a bit from the brat she was at the beginning of the summer. Okay, back to Julian and Sally. Sally is pretty upset that her girls are growing up and not needing her so much. She attempts to do the whole climb back into bed and ignore the world thing, but Julian will have none of it. Thankfully, she's able to snap Sally out of her stupor and tells her that she will be moving in with Ben. It is August now and time for Sally and her girls to go see the aunts. Jillian is pretty much a big oh hell nope to going and seeing the aunts, so she's going to stay behind. But wait, now we're getting a whole new random character in the middle of a paragraph. It's Gary. He's from Arizona and he's here to find the missing Jimmy because those dead college students. Oh, they're still dead. Someone needs to pay. Armed with a letter that Sally wrote to Jillian months and months ago and falling in love with her through her writing, he shows up and is asking questions. It is love-lust at first sight for Sally and Gary. She magically cannot lie to him. Jillian, though, is all sweet and sugar and full of lies about how Jimmy's car got there to their house, and Gary isn't really buying it because he's in love with Sally and he's all mixed up, poor thing. He also finds Jimmy's ring by the sink. He takes off for his hotel and Sally follows him. They have a very dramatic conversation in the parked car in the rain, and Sally tells him the truth about what happened to Jimmy. Then they make out because, again, they have fallen in love. Back at the house, Jillian realizes that the lilacs were now... Where Jillian realizes that where the lilacs were is now a huge ass thorn patch. Also, one of Jimmy's boots has appeared. Jillian tells the girls what happened and a huge ass storm starts to flood everything. Back at home, Sally tells Jillian she sent Gary away, even though she loves him, and she isn't sure what he's going to do with the info that they killed and buried Jimmy, and Jillian tells Sally that Jimmy is not staying buried. They decide to call the aunts. 
The aunts arrive with big, heavy suitcases, and it's page 260, and they finally get two personalities and some background info. Turns out that Jillian's dose of nightshade would not have killed Jimmy, so the whole thing was kind of for naught. They do a ritual involving lie and basically dissolving whatever's left of Jimmy. They dump it on the ground, and Sally has a few moments of seeing the rest of her life and how she will someday live in the desert, Arizona perhaps, and be happy. Basically, now there's an epilogue. Gary slips Jimmy's ring into an unidentified corpse, and he and Sally do indeed end up together. In fact, everyone pairs off, and there's a happy ending. And apparently the curse is never spoken of again, or something weird. I don't know. I feel like we forgot that there was a curse at the end of this book, but that's... I will save that for later. (laughs) The movie. (laughs) Pretty similar, but some key differences, and we will touch on them. But here we go. Maria Owens, a young witch, is exiled with her unborn child to an island in Massachusetts. When her lover does not rescue her, she casts a spell to stop herself from ever falling in love again, but the spell becomes a curse affecting all future generations of women in the Owens family. Any man who falls in love with an Owens woman will die. In the present, Jillian and Sally Owens are taken in by their maternal aunts, Frances and Jet, named pretty fast, and played amazingly mm-hmm. by Diane West and Stockard Channing. But, <clears throat> la la la. So, they have been taken in. Jillian's talents lie in charm and persuasion, while Sally is more gifted in witchcraft, like telekinetic and other such things. After witnessing their aunt's cast a spell for a woman obsessed with having a specific man's love, Jillian is titillated at the idea of falling in love, and Sally is terrified. Sally casts a true love spell to protect herself, summoning a man who possesses qualities that cannot possibly exist. Pin in that. Years later, Jillian makes a blood oath to Sally, promising to return and leaves for Los Angeles. Sally marries Michael, a local produce seller, and they have two daughters, Kylie and Antonia. They plan to open a botanical shop, but Michael dies after being hit by a truck. Sally realizes that her aunts cast a spell so she would be happy, not expecting Sally's love to trigger the curse. Devastated, Sally and her daughters return to the Owens' home to live. Sally decides that she and her daughters will not perform magic. As Jillian begins a relationship with Jimmy, she can feel Sally's grief, and realizing that Sally really needs her, she returns to Massachusetts. After Jillian helps her realize that she's neglecting her young daughters due to her disabling grief, Sally wakes to find her sister gone. It was like a one-night stand of fixing your life. With newfound resolve, she opens the botanical shop she'd planned with Michael and tries to help her daughters navigate living in a town where the citizens openly taunt them for being witches. The daughters, by the way, are young. Like, young. You can ask how old you think they are, but they're young. Okay. Yeah. Jillian calls Sally to come and rescue her after Jimmy becomes erratic and abusive. But after Sally arrives, he kidnaps them both. Sally puts Belladonna into Jimmy's tequila, inadvertently killing him as he tries to strangle Jillian. Jillian decides that they must use magic to resurrect Jimmy so that neither of them will be guilty of murder. They return home, then resurrect him using their aunt's spellbook. Jimmy attempts to kill Jillian again immediately after being revived, and Sally is forced to kill him again, this time with a cast iron skillet. They bury his body in the garden. The sisters bond, and Jillian and Sally both use their magic. Jillian to help Sally get the coveted top slot in the mother's phone tree, and signs began occurring indicating that something is wrong. Yet they do not confess to their aunts. The aunts push them into finally telling all with the help of a spell and some tequila. Francis and Jet then leave after giving Kylie and Antonia protection words, telling Antonia to give Sally and Jillian the message to clean up your own mess. Investigator Gary arrives from Tucson in search of Jimmy, who is revealed to be a serial killer. Gary begins to suspect that Sally and Jillian killed Jimmy, so Jillian and Kylie and Antonia create a potion to banish Gary. 
However, the girls realize that he must be the man described in young Sally's true love spell, and they dispose of the potion. While watching the girls toss the potion-laden pancake syrup into the sea, which was a waste of some nice cockery, by the way, Gary and a horrified Sally and Jillian watch a frog regurgitate Jimmy's special signature ring. Gary takes it as evidence and departs, angry and confused. Sally goes to Gary's hotel room and insists that he record her testimony. While there, she sees a letter that he, she had written to Jillian just before rescuing her from Jimmy. She realizes that he must have read it many times. Yep, they have both fallen in love. Unable to deny their feelings for another, they kiss, and Sally realizes that he was there because of her love spell. Sally bolts, shaken. Returning home, Sally discovers that Jimmy's spirit has possessed Jillian's body, and Gary, following Sally, witnesses Jimmy's spirit emerge. Jimmy attempts to kill Gary by reaching into his chest, only to be hurt by Gary's silver star-shaped badge, and then he disappears. Sally tells Gary that he is there because of her spell, and the feelings they have for each other are, are not actually real. Gary replies the curses are only true if one believes in them, and then reveals that he also wished for her, and he says that he doesn't believe in the curse. And again, curses only have power if you believe in them. I think he's forgotten what just happened in the attic, but whatever. Okay, <laughs> Jimmy possesses Jillian again and attempts to assault Sally, who knocks her out just before Francis and Jet return. Sally, realizing that she must embrace magic to save her sister, asks the aid of the mothers in the school's emergency phone tree, and they form a coven to exercise Jimmy's spell, bringing their own brooms. Sally makes them stop when she sees that the effect is killing Jillian. Sally, inspired, opens the magic protection circle surrounding the possessed Jillian, entices Jimmy to assume control over Jillian's body, and then swiftly, Sally repeats the blood oath with Jillian, again slicing their palms to join their blood and promise. The Owen's curse is somehow broken because of this, although that's only because Wikipedia says so. I didn't catch that in the movie, but fine, whatever. Jimmy's spirit is exercised and permanently banished. Gary... Clears the sisters of any suspicions of wrongdoing in Jimmy's death by planting the ring on a different body. Sally comes to a decision, encouraged by Jillian to take a risk on love again. Sally sends a message via a leaf on the wind to Arizona. Gary senses her call and returns to Massachusetts to be with her. And Halloween is celebrated with all the Owens women, all six of them, demonstrating their powers by leaping off the roof, landing safely, dressed as witches, and are lovingly accepted by the townsfolk. The end. <laughs> holy crap <laughs> so much so much to cover <laughs> so much crap to cover i mean stuff yes so much so much stuff sindel how did you come to this book and movie do you remember what you saw first or encountered first uh first i saw the movie okay and i 1998 so you like me would have been what a senior in high school i would or have been a senior in high, in high school but i didn't see it in the theater i saw it on uh vhs <laughs> so um for those children listening vhs are large plastic ways that we used to watch movies <laughs> uh, oh youngins um yeah so i saw it on vhs i think i rented it from blockbuster which is where you rented those big plastic uh rectangles and um and i loved it i it was love at first view and I thought it was so magical um, and just like the whole. So can I ask, were you already witchy at that point or was this wasn't like the movie that this was not the movie that like turned me pagan? No, no. it definitely that would wasn't. be Miss of Avalon, right? Or am I telling no. my story now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
It was it was Shakti Gwain's creative visualization, which w- was my first okay pagany book, which was more New Age really, that that really got me interested in in the occult. But and then in fifth grade when we studied Egyptian mythology and and Greek mythology and all the pig, you know, the multi gods, and mm-hmm. I thought. Gee, it's too bad we're not allowed to believe in that anymore. <laughs> and then later on, I realized, oh, you can believe whatever you want. That <laughs> makes right. a lot more sense to me. So, um, but really, Shakti Gwain's uh, creative visualization book, which is not what we're talking about today. But I will but, put it in the show notes for those of you who visit our website at pagesandpopcornpodcast.com. Yeah. That was my first. But when I was, when I watched Practical Magic, getting back to what we're supposed to be talking about, um, I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I watched it a million times. I think I rented it way too many times. I could have purchased it. And then I did purchase it. I have I, I have it not on VHS anymore, <laughs> but I have it on, on DVD, not Blu-ray. But um, <laughs> And I just loved it. I've watched it a million times. And then um, I loved it so much. And I loved the ants so much that I wanted more of the ants. That's what I really wanted. So that's when I came to the book. And when I first read the book I hated it I despised it I was so angry because I wanted I wanted the movie in book form with extra ant stuff and that is not what I got and so I tossed it I was like this book is stupid (laughs) I do not like this book but then when I reread it um, for this, I I really was able to put it aside, knowing that it wasn't going to be exactly the same, and and I enjoyed it a lot more. So I'm I'm glad that you asked me to reread it because um, I actually enjoyed it this time. <laughs> oh, that's exciting! That's that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. So I um, the movie came out. I would have been a much senior in high school, freshman in college, somewhere around there. I kind of vaguely knew about it. I don't. I. I can't remember when I saw it or where I saw it, but I am I am like 90% sure that I saw this movie at some point before watching it recently. And um, I kind of feel like my thought was like, yeah, that's cool. That's fun and light and fluffy and pretend and whatever. Um, sure, like all of the women in this movie are like amazeballs. Mm-hmm. You know, Sandra Bullock is great. Diane West is great. Stalker uh, Channing is great. As always. Uh, Nicole Kidman is great. Um, the guy from ER who's the bad guy is great. Like, you know, like everybody's good. So this is fine. And then I really didn't give it much thought. And then I'd read other books by Alice Hoffman, who wrote Practical Magic and enjoyed them. I really liked The Dove Keepers. And so um, Practical Magic had been on my list for a while and I hadn't read it. And so I thought, well, Practical Magic. And people would have these large opinions. Oh, the book was awful. Oh, the movie was this right. or that or the other thing. So that's why it got put on our list. And then it's October. And so it's like, okay, time to read it. <laughs> so I read the book for the first time. And my vague m- recollections of the movie set me into this book thinking it was going to be light and fluffy. And it's definitely right. not. And so, but after a couple pages, I realized, okay, so this is different. And then I was able, like you said, to kind of put myself into the book place without you know, leaving the movie behind. And I also really enjoyed the book. Yeah. It had some, some things I didn't, I was kind of like, okay, whatever, roll my eyes. But 
Um, I that didn't diminish my enjoyment of the movie, and we will get to towards the end about our final thoughts of book and movie. But yeah. I will say that I I'm definitely going into this conversation saying I'm very glad that we yeah. that we did this. And so. I hadn't read any Alice Hoffman prior to this. I didn't even know she was a popular author mm. um, before researching it. After I read the book, I just wanted to know a little more. And um, so yeah, I had no idea, and I liked. I liked the writing. There were some parts I was like, oh, I wish she hadn't used that phrase or that, that sentence could use reworking. But but it was it was good. I had no idea she was so popular or had written so many books. Yeah, and and I love her language. The, the, the book yeah. has really, I mean, I said at the top of my recap, it's very sensual. It's very poetic. Mm. Um, there's not chapters. There's sections. And yeah. then the sections are just long. Yeah. And there's no break. And that, it took me a little bit to get into. But I actually kind of like it because I feel like that was a narrative choice. It's life. You know, yeah. it just flows. One thing flows into another. And we don't have a end of a chapter and then right. a new chapter. That's not really how life conversations growing up, any mm. of those things work. Everything just kind of melds together. And I definitely saw that as a, sim- a symbolic choice about how the, the practical part of life and the magical mm. part of life meld together. And yeah. so there's all this stuff like, you know, from what you grow in your garden to tossing your salt over your shoulder, all of these little things mm-hmm. that, you know, are practical or magical and they just meld. And I just right. thought, I thought that was a good choice. And do. that's very, like, that's very pagan life, which life is, there's not like, your mundane normal life and your magical life and they're two completely separate things like if you're a regular practicing witch it all it's just your everyday it it all melds together and I thought that this book and movie showed that very well and you know Alice Hoffman uh is Jewish and she wrote this book and and you know and the movie that um, is one of the most well-loved stories among pagans and witches. So it's kind of neat that she was able to hone in like that. Mm-hmm. But while we're talking about the magic, I know that there's different types of magic, just like there's different types of witches and pagans. Mm-hmm. And I know you could probably talk for an hour and a half on just that <laughs> question. So I'm going to make keep you short. But can you talk a little bit about the type of magic that was represented in the book and the movie versus... Yeah, the the type of witchcraft that is practiced is part kitchen witchery, mostly um, combined with movie magic, obviously, in um, in both the book and the movie. Um, there's definitely parts of it that are like, oh, that's, you know, Hollywood movie magic versus like everyday herbs and, and you know, spelling your syrup putting herbs in in your syrup for in the movie that's very like magical on a practical level and that but then like having the coffee stir itself is very magic you know (laughs) movie magic yeah kitchen witchery where it's very it's herbs and it's how you use the herbs on a magical level to change your your future or your your reality that's all like real witchcraft type stuff i feel like in the book, you could almost, almost say it wasn't real. Like, there's enough doubt or circumstance or coincidence that yes. it's it's very like, okay, people believe in this. And so because they believe in it, it happens yeah. and yada, yada. There's a few cases where that doesn't quite work, but there's, there's enough other places where you're kind of like, 
maybe this is real, maybe this is not real. But in the movie, it was obviously completely real from the get-go. The very first scene, and I didn't touch on it, but like Mary Owens is being executed and they're hanging her and she magically gets free and mm. then and then there's there's telekinetic power which is like shorthand for right. magic in movies right. like you're talking about the stirring and things right. flying around um there wasn't telekinetic powers in the book the book didn't no. have that yeah. so even though the book was like magical realism it kind of almost had less quote magic magic I agree. And then throughout most of the book Sally is contradicting anything with with her skepticism so anything that happened she would go back and say well that's not real or that was just coincidence or you know that's just their imagination and i think that for people that are looking at spells and and witchcraft that is a normal part of the experience that's that's a big part of magic is that what you're doing when you're doing magic is you're altering the energy that's going out you it's called in in hermeticism it's it would be the law of rhythm i would guess but you're you're pushing the energy like a ripple in the water in a different direction to get the result that you want. So it's moving things in the direction you want compared to where it would just go naturally. And so it's going to look circumstantial. And that's why um, most pagans and witches are very keen on writing everything down. So you write down what you were trying to uh, make happen, what you did, how you did it, you know, what the results you're looking for. And then you go back and you look at the results, you know, further down the line and see if that actually worked or happened. And then you always do that so that you have some sort of record record uh to see if if your magic is working or not and you know it's not going to be like in the movie where you know uh gary just looks up and goes oh i must go to sally right away mm-hmm. it's going to be oh you know the job i want just opened up you know circumstantial circumstantially when i did that job spell you know three weeks ago and now I can go apply for it and, and get it. So magic doesn't look like it does in the movies. It's much more circumstantial like that. And it's easy to discount. And that's why in the movie, I, she, she said something that was really good. It was, you can't practice witchcraft while you're looking down your nose at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was particularly good like a good quote because it's the same thing you can't you can't continue to say oh it's just circumstance oh it's it's just you know happenstance and then and then discount what you've just done especially when you're looking back and and you've taken notes and you see that you have a history of of things going in your direction after you're doing your spell work or say it's not real it's not real now i need it to be real so now now it has to be real yes right exactly that, right that picking and choosing right of, of it's belief or not belief right and sally because she's scared or you know because she has this need to be quote unquote normal she discounts it and then all of a sudden she needs it Mm-hmm. You know, and the ants, I think, in the movie said something along the same line. That, that's they say that in the movie. That yeah, line. Is yeah. It really, it's not in the book, but yeah, because the ants, and we'll talk about that yeah. in a second. But um, okay, so that's the types of magic and 
Is there anything else you want to talk about about the difference between the book magic and the and the movie magic? Um. Well, in the book, uh, Kylie has the sight, so mm-hmm. she can see auras, which is something that some people believe that they can do and see. And then she also is able to sense people's feelings, and she's also able to actually see jimmy in the garden Mm -hmm. and then in the movie that's antonia that can do that and you know in the book antonio kind of got screwed on her storyline yeah but (laughs) definitely (laughs) yeah she's kind of a jerk and then she's got nothing and then all of a sudden she's she's better now better and and she's got a boyfriend well good for her oh well you know that that is that is really what all girls want, right? Just give them a boyfriend, and then right. they have a happy ending, and yeah. then it's fine. Oh, and she, and she feels pretty again. Isn't yes. that sweet? So <laughs> nice. So nice. Because this is a feminist uh, book. Uh, okay. And then, yeah, but then uh, Kylie, so so in the book, Kylie has that. And those are all things, maybe not all together like, like in the book, but those are things that people believe that they have the ability to do in real life. Um, some people feel like they can see auras. Some people feel like... They are empathic where they can feel people's emotions. And then um, some people feel like they have the sight, which is a, the ability to see people that have passed over. Um, I don't know that very many people claim to have all three like that, but that's those are abilities that people claim to be able to do. Right. And um, Kylie's were basically activated when she turned 13, it felt right. like, too. And yeah. so that, that was like this this moment of... Okay, now she's 13 and she cuts her hair and, you know, whatever. Right. And then she transitions into womanhood. And so I definitely right. want to talk about how magic is tied into the feminine. Right. Because I felt like that was a major part of this. Isn't that such a 90s thing, too? Like, didn't we go through that wave where it's like, oh, they're officially a teenager and they've gone from that gawky child and now all of a sudden they're adult and they've had this makeover and they're beautiful well she took off her glasses so now she's beautiful she blew out her candles and now she's beautiful she got she got a blowout for her hair and you know all of a sudden she's great you know definitely a 90s thing yes but i did like the idea that the book seemed to and you know i can't remember the 90s all that well i was whatever but um (laughs) but i do feel like the idea of well, okay. It it appeals to me as a queer feminist late lady that um when we have books about the women power and women, right. you know, coming together and having a sense of women community and finding their inner power whether that's magical or metaphorical, I like those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it was like, okay, you're growing up and you're getting into your magic, that's cool. The fact that both Sally and Julian kind of had to tap into the good women power mm-hmm. and not but I feel like the book was kind of making some some judgments about the good woman power versus the bad woman power so I don't know if you are ready to talk about this but I definitely want to talk about how the women are portrayed in the book and the movie because we have Sally who in both cases was the quote-unquote good sister right, right? um the all, older sister well, yes and also all she wanted was to get married and have babies and live a normal life right right Okay, then we have the bad <laughs> sister who wants to full on live life and, and have a, these adventures and go places and do things. And the of course, it's also little sister, right? It's wild and it's it's drinking and it's it's smoking and it's having lots of sex and like she's right. the bad sister, right? You know. <laughs> and then and then 
how does she get fixed? Fixed. Um, in the book, she falls in love with a good man right. who has his own weird masculine magic that's not real because he's a magician. And, and then they bond and he loves her and she loves him. And right. now she's going to be okay because she's freaking become the good domestic domesticated. She has right. been tamed now. Right. And I don't like that. In the book, that's much more the storyline, for sure. And in the movie, I feel like the ants go about that differently, where they say, oh, Jillian has her own type of magic that she'll come into her own when she gets older. Mm -hmm. And when they're still children, I think they're like, what, eight and ten, yeah, maybe. Yeah, about that age, um, when they say that, yes. And then when they're drinking, you know, they they talk about, you know, they're saying slut, but they're saying it in a, you know, funny, loving way. Right, and we'll get to the drinking scene because I yeah. think that's important. But I do think that it's important to note that the movie took those ideas of the good and the bad feminine and they t- turned it on its head. And I, right. I, I love this. I love the fact that in the book, the aunts were sad because they had fallen in love with two boys who had died by getting struck by lightning. So there's a lot right. of lightning in the book, by the way. Yes. Anyways, so these boys are dead, so it's tragic, but the aunts loved and then were, were sad. So they have like their own love loss, blah, blah, blah. In the movie, they didn't really reference that. The aunts were no. pretty fine. They were yeah. fine. They yeah. were living their best lives with their yes. awesome hats and yes. their awesome house and their all their stuff. And they were amazing. Yes. And, and so there's that, that dichotomy was different. And so then, and also Jillian had her thing with Jimmy, Jimmy, that whole thing, but then Jillian doesn't fall in love with another. She's single at the end of the movie and she's okay mm-hmm. yeah. with that. Like she's yeah. empowered and she's there with her, with her right. nieces and she's, and so I thought the movie did a much better job of fi- of fixing that little yeah. weird feminist foible that yeah. happened in the in the book. But in the book, I do say I liked Jillian's progression in her own mind, though not the whole part with Ben so much, but in the fact that she went from needing to be in these toxic relationships to finally realizing that she doesn't need to be punishing herself. Like I liked that part. I I liked it except that to me it felt like she only got there because Ben had like the secret magical wand penis. Like if it wasn't for Ben and his magical wand penis, which I swear I just like that phrasing now. <laughs> um, like it wouldn't he is what fixed her. Yeah. She didn't get fixed on her own. She didn't really get somewhere on her own. Yeah, the whole waking up and, like, curling up and bawling on his couch next to the rabbit thing was a little... Yeah. Yeah, you know? And then, I mean, it it was good. I think the good parts of the Jillian in the book story had to do with, like, when she was talking about how she dealt with her abusive relationship and how she would would talk dirty to Jimmy to get him excited so that he would focus his rage in, in these ways because she could handle that. And sex was her... Her outlet and her weapon, and then it, it, right. it, I mean, how can, then it became the thing that punished her because he was raping her, but then she was able to find good sex. I mean, it's just yeah. so mucky, and I just, like, her story of abuse is, is really Normal. tragic, and yeah, and yeah. I just, I just wish, I, I, again, I wish she had gotten to that place without, without Ben, without. Huffman, she really wrote a good ri- victim, like, yes. a, a domestic abuse Victim. victim she really tapped into that really well i think especially like the coping mechanisms that she used maybe not the belladonna but the night- <laughs> yeah the nightshade belladonna the, yeah but um 
But, but the way she would the talk way to him. she would cope, the way she would talk to him, the way she would make she knew the tricks to keep him happy and not hitting her um, were very like realistic. And he was much darker in the book than in the movie. Yes. He was he was an asshole in the movie, but we not nearly to the level of yeah. in the book. And I obviously they and I this is maybe jumping ahead a little bit too, but Roger Ebert had this great line about how the movie was um, too childlike for adults and too fairy tale for, or too, too dark for kids and too childlike for adults. Yeah. And I thought that that was a good thing because it, it did, it had these really funny moments mm-hmm. and then it kind of had this darker stuff too. And now, you know, having read the book, it could have been so much darker. Yeah. Um, they, all the humor in the movie was not in the book. No. There, there was like, there were no jokes in the book. Yeah. In the movie, there were sight gags and, and yeah. funny lines and, yeah. you know, so they lightened it up to make it into this romantic right. comedy. Yeah. About, you know, murder. I have a funny story about that, actually. So, uh, apparently for the movie, the director hired a um, witch to come on the, sh- the set and be a, um, what do they call that? Consult? A, a consult. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, which is awesome. Uh, they did that in the craft, which is why the craft is so realistic in not the, the magic part, but in the ritual part. Um, but for this movie, they did the same thing, except I think like halfway through, or maybe it was after some point during the filming, the witch that they had as the consult started demanding more money, probably because she saw it was going to be a good movie, right? But like double, like what oh, they wow. were going to pay. So like like a set of one hundred and fifty thousand, it was two hundred fifty thousand or something God. along those lines, right? So um, note to Hollywood: I'm available for about seventy five k, just so yeah. you know. Okay. <laughs> So, anyways, so she demanded extra money, and the director was like, um, we don't have that in our budget. Um, no, right? Normal. So then she was like, if you don't give me the money, I'm going to curse this whole movie. Ah! And they had, like, this big blow-up where they had to be like, I'm sorry, you're going to curse us. You're not going to work on the movie anymore. <laughs> and they had to get, like, the studio involved. And in, she ended up getting, like, some undisclosed amount of money to make her go away. Oh, my right? gosh. Then, this is from an interview with the director. So, the director's like, well, then, you know, the movie was cursed and it was going to do bad. So, in his words, this is, this is not correct terminology. He's, he then hired an exorcist to perform an exorcism, which is not what you do for a curse. But, <laughs> and he spent hundreds of dollars on this exorcism quote unquote, I'm doing finger quotes, not that you can see, to get rid of this curse. First of all, an exorcism is to get rid of being possessed by a demon or ghost, not to get rid of a curse. So really they needed like a, a counterspell, a counterspell or like a cleansing ritual, something along those <laughs> lines, right? They, they needed, they needed another witch. They so he kind of got screwed. <laughs> they spent a lot of money on on things that weren't very helpful. But his theory is that that this was um, people loved the movie, but in the media it was touted as a flop, even though the movie made money, and even though people, you know, it's a cult classic now, especially among pagans. But the yeah, the ratings are low. The, the ratings are low, and the media touts it as low because of this curse. <laughs> is it interesting? That is, that is fascinating. Yeah. Yes, indeed. 
Yes, and I am available to consult, and I will not curse you. (laughs) (laughs) So I loved the ants in the movie. They were strong. They were secure in themselves. I loved that... I love the costume, like whoever did the costuming for that movie for the ants, like deserves an award of their own. Such gorgeous dresses, like the parasols and just like, oh, this everything was so cool. They're, they were just, I mean, can Stalker Channing play anything other than a brilliant strong woman? I'm not sure at this point. No, I mean, from Rizzo to Mrs. Bartlett with a quick pass stop over here. Although I guess Mrs. Bartlett came after this now that I'm thinking about it because that would have started at the late 90s. But yeah, she's amazing. So just everything about them is phenomenal. I love them. In the movie, in the book, rather, they're shrill. They're really old and frail. And tiny. And tiny. And um, and they are referred to as the aunts. Yeah. Until 200 page 60. 260 right. pages of just the aunts. The aunts. They're like a single entity. Yes. And I think that's, I think that that's pointed out through Jillian, too. Like, Jillian says something like, I always associate them together Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until the end of the book where they come to where sally's house is Mm -hmm. that she goes oh you know one of them's taller than the other one of them is taller than they're right and i guess we'll probably talk on this later but the the spell they do at the end is practically just lie yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) cynthia's crawling into her chair in horror (laughs) I, we'll probably, we should probably touch on that towards the end because it's the end of the book. But, um, yeah, so the spell, I mean. No, let's talk about it now. We're here. Okay. So. <laughs> they brought rocks. They, special blue rocks. They brought special blue rocks, but they don't say what the rocks are, but they're large. They're yeah. like, oh, they're the stones. From their garden. From their garden at the house, which. You know, that I guess that makes sense because they were Mary Owens's stones. stones? Yeah. Somehow. Something from. When she showed up with nothing except the money in her skirt, she also had stones, but sure. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and then, and then, like, their special potion is, is practically just lie, which will kill anything, which isn't really magical at all maybe oh but 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 Sindel, a little random puff of red something floated out of the ground after they poured that on the ground and that was his spirit and then he just dissipated into the air so <laughs> i'm sorry yes I, just, I love this that part was so bad <laughs> it's like they needed an ending to the book but they didn't know they're what like do? oh well how do we get rid of jimmy well we'll just pour lie on him that, that'll and that'll kill we'll anything some, we'll put some stones and then yeah. the creep factor is like other little girls in the neighborhood bring their dolls and have tea and parties somehow good it's luck? like good magic with those how stones is it good luck all they did was pour lie over this dead body which will kill anything like of course they had to put stones on it nothing would grow there after they put lie on it and then now it's good luck how why they didn't they didn't say anything like there there was no spell yeah was there? i will I say remember that for no there wasn't the movie's magic was very silly to me in a lot of ways but i i'm a sap and I cried 
during the ritual at the very end of the movie when okay. all the women get together. Okay, again, talking about women's power. So, like, this is a coven. Now, this isn't right. just our family magic. This is leaning on the women in our community yes. because we cannot do it by ourselves. And empowered women empower women. And that's what we do as women is we support each other. And they came. They came with their brooms right. and their dustpans and their, their dustbusters. Dustbusters. <laughs> and they got in their circle. And you know what? Here's the thing. Like, they talked a lot about things have power if you believe in them. Those women didn't all believe, but they showed up. That was right. the thing. They, well, they talk about that. I really like that part because when they first come in and they're in the kitchen and they're mixing something that, you know, does smell bad, but it's obviously not lye because there's herbs and it's foaming right. and everything. It's obviously like a pot of potion of some sort. And everybody has to go in and stir. She said and everybody has yes, to stir it. And yep. that makes sense because then you're, you're stirring your energy into each person is putting their own energy into the mm-hmm. potion, which makes sense. And then the women are talking about their supernatural experiences. Like the one woman that says, you know, my daughter was at a sleepover and had a nightmare and I could hear her crying across town. Like those are all experiences that people can relate to. Like mm-hmm. we all have those, you know, where you're connected to someone that you love and it somebody dies you. and you knew before yes. the phone call happened. Yes, exactly. Oh, or, you know, like in the movie where Jillian's calling on the phone and they both know it's going to be Jillian. Like those are things that have, that happen to people and they're, they're supernatural, but they're, you know, they're things that happen. Mm-hmm. And then the women all bringing brooms. This is where I'm glad they had a, a consult on the movie, whether, you know, she turned out to be crazy or not. But there's a lot of like symbolism there. So brooms or besoms, as they're called in, in witchcraft, um, they're used for protection and cleansing and, and purification. You see, you know, pagans have them on their walls or near their doors or like laid across the threshold because they prevent curses. They keep negative energy from being um, sent into the house. And when they're holding hands, it's creating an energy flow between them. And, you know, the women in the community, when they're all holding hands together, that's creating a connection between them that was able to, you know, break the curse. But that's when when you're in circle doing, you know, a ritual with other people, you you do that. You hold hands like that to create energy that flows between you. So that was that was a good real part, even though it was make believe with the bright lights <laughs> and and like uh, Nicole Kinman being lifted off the ground and everything. But um the part with, you know, the symbolism of the brooms and the holding hands, those parts were, were parts that are actually practiced in, in witchcraft today. I just, I loved it. I love the sense of community. You, you can't always get out of a bad thing by yourself. You need help from other people. Yes. And, you know, if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, um, yes. some people can escape by themselves. But most of us needed help from somebody right. else who's willing to help us. And that's where community comes in. Right. And... Yes, not all community is, you know, you don't, it's not just women community, but I, I feel women community is a very special and potent and powerful mm-hmm. thing. And to have a sisterhood of, of other women mm-hmm. and to have those relationships is, is key into, into lots of stuff. So I love that that was built into it. And then at yeah. the end where the, they were accepting Sally and, and her daughters. And yes. it was okay to have the magic now because yeah. it's harmless and it's good and we love them. Right. And 
you know, even though <laughs> that book, was it Antonia? I think it was Antonia gave the boy chicken pox in the movie, which <laughs> yes. hilarious. But um, I like that scene too, because, you know, it was a good learning experience for where she goes, you know, we do not interfere in other people's lives. We do not curse other people. You know, mm-hmm. we don't cast on other people. That's an important part of witchcraft where, you know, you're, you have to be careful if you're involving yourself in other people's lives without their permission. That a morality thing that, mm-hmm. that we struggle with in our craft. So. And that gets into the idea of like, as it does no harm, do as right. you will. Right. Right. So, yeah. Which brings me to something, um, a little bit further on my list, but I hear um, Newton's third law of attraction, which is to every action, there's always an equal and opposite reaction. And I found that that made a lot of sense. So here's a quote I actually got, and this will be in the show notes. Is it possible that the laws of physics apply to magic too? Again and again, in the course of these pages, attempts to control and manipulate have unintended consequences and invariably backfire on the instigators. The lovesick end up sick of love. The seers cannot see their own future. And what's buried, no matter how deeply in the ground, metaphorically or not, rises to the top. And I just thought that was really interesting. (laughs) I love that. And then in Hermeticism, there is also the law of cause and effect, um, where um, it says that when you do magic, you have to accept the consequences, whether intended or unintended, um, of the magic that you do. So the energy you put out, whether the results are your responsibility, whether you had intended those results or not, which is why you have to look at every angle before you do any magical work. Which gets us into the be careful what you wish for. Yes. Kind of thing. Well, okay. So the one of the major differences, besides all the magic and the and the characterization, from a plot standpoint, the major difference between the book and the movie is the actual murder. Yeah. So this is interesting. In the book, he keels over in the car and she drives to, you know, Sally's. Yes. To get help because now there's a dead body in your car. And she's convinced that she's the reason he's dead because she had been dosing him for months and months and months. Right. Okay. Turns out, wasn't her. If she had then just taken him to a hospital, like, the whole thing would have been avoided. They would have been oh, like, yeah. oh, he's dead. And then they would have done an autopsy and been like, yes, he had a heart attack or whatever the thing. Right. It had nothing to do with you and right. the end. Right. So this gets into sometimes we make our own drama. Right. I feel like the lesson yeah. here maybe is go to the hospital. I don't know. Like, you know, don't don't automatically assume the worst. Right. Because, okay, so then, like, this whole thing. So then they bury him and they have their whole thing. In the movie, we have two deaths. We have... First of all, there's a kidnapping happening because they're they're trying to escape and he's not going to let them escape. And then he's ringing. Then he's about to brand Jillian. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's he's they've gone out of his way, their way to make him. He's a serial killer in the movie, not just a guy who sold bad drugs to college kids. Right. I mean, they really they amped up his worseness, but also didn't show us his darkness. It was a weird change. But okay, fine. So so now she's dosing him with. Bell, uh, with Belladonna in the movie Nightshade, can you speak to the difference between those? They're not. There's not a difference. It's okay, just it's just a, difference a different in name. name. Okay, I wondered about that. Okay, so anyway, so she's dosing him and whatever, and then he he passes out or he dies. Mm-hmm. You know, during while he's trying to strangle Jillian. So okay, so now he's dead. Okay, right. he's dead. We have to bring him back, which right. is that's a pretty big ass leap, especially they didn't talk about that. 
No. In the book. In the all. book, there was no, we can bring people back. Cause, no. you know, uh, when, when Sally's husband dies, she didn't go to the aunts and beg them to bring mm-hmm. him back. But that's very, like, movie. It and, is. Yeah. And, and the whole idea, oh, if you bring them back, they'll be different. But, like, also, so then, like, you're and like, the okay. Grimoire, so, uh, right, right. So then. Gorgeous, the, by the way. <laughs> but also not in the book. We, no. We didn't, yeah. they didn't have a spell. They didn't, they didn't need a spell like book. That. Like, no. they didn't, they just knew. Okay, so fine. So now we've got this magical book. Now we've got this thing. Okay. So now we're gonna, <laughs> now we're gonna bring him back <laughs> yeah. from the dead. So now we get, now we get into, we're gonna use whipped cream as the star on his, I mean. That so, is so <laughs> modern day paganism though you use whatever you can find like oh this whipped cream that will work it's white it it's, works it's right white. and then she takes the lick of it i'm like oh that is so like yes that would definitely happen today it's such a great melding of like old and new yes. and modern and ancient yes. and okay so but also it steps up almost the slapstick aspect of it you know it, it, it lightens it, up a very dark moment right okay yeah. and then because we're we're going from whipped cream licking to needles in the eyes like practically yes. in the same breath right? right okay and then i wasn't quite sure if they were supposed to stick those needles in his eyes or not because they don't they have them like right there at the edge and then his eyes pop open right so then i was watching this with a friend of mine and she goes do you think if they'd stuck the needles in his eyes he wouldn't have been evil like he you know what i mean or it would have worked <laughs> differently or something else? i don't know so he comes back basically for jimmy he has lost no time he was in the middle of killing jillian and right. now he's still in the middle of wanting to kill jillian right. okay so maybe he came back as something not the same, or maybe not. Maybe that was me. Maybe that was on, just Jimmy, him. You know, <laughs> whatever. So now we're gonna bring him over the head with a with frying a pan. With a frying pan. All over okay. Rapunzel. I really feel like we should have a segment where somebody comes on and tells us about the legality of this because I feel like dosing somebody in a car is different than smacking them in the head with a skillet. But in both cases, there's a case to be made here for. Self-defense. Justifiable homicide. (laughs) Yes. Again, why would we not call the cops and be like, hey, this guy was attacking us. I mean, at this point, you could even said, we all drove here together because we're friends. And then he decided that he was mad at Jillian and he started strangling her. So I hit him in the head with a pan and I'm so sorry. Oh, the stuff on the counter. Oh, I'm just making brownies. See, there's whipped cream. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? But no, no, no. Let's bury. Again, I just. And isn't that, but doesn't that, I think that's talked about a little bit in the book too. um, And it's implied in the movie that Sally takes everything on she feels like she has to and this is such a like a oldest child thing where she feels like she has to take care of everything be responsible for everything and just handle it mm-hmm. instead of like you know letting the authorities handle it or asking for help and right. see, then we have her lesson in the movie is that then the coven the other women show up to help and she gets right. help from the aunts the book we don't really have that lesson learned no so yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, like, one of the things I liked the most about the movie was this sense of community. We just don't get that in the book. Okay, so fine. So now he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then we have the way he haunts is very different in the movie and the book. I yeah. actually really liked the haunting in the book better because it was scarier. It was, like, doors yeah. shutting and things missing and I people I think it was a little more snappy. realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you're into the whole, like, being haunted thing that would be a more realistic way of as far as evidence that we have in the real world, that it would be more cold rooms and, you know, shuttering windows and slamming doors and things like that, where 
in the movie, I mean, they had to make it for the movie. So right. it's an actual apparition yes. that's like that is so, coming out oh of the God. body with like that CGI. 90s CGI. It was so bad. Yes. So bad. But it was so good when it was first released. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, the, that's the hard part about watching old movies. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> um, okay, so. In, in the, another major difference is in the movie, Sally makes this spell. She's going to conjure up a man who doesn't exist as yes. the only man she'll truly love so that she can't fall in love. Of course, then right. she falls in love with her husband. She she genuinely loves him. From so, a spell. From a spell. But, I, you know, okay. There's yes. like Okay. So then, but as a child, so I love this. As a child, she's like, I'm going to make a man who doesn't exist. Yes. He is going to love stars. Okay. And his favorite color is this. Okay. And he's going to have one blue eye and one green eye. And you're like, that's uncommon, but it happens. Like, it's not like you said one red eye and right. one yellow eye. I mean, that, even that, probably, there's probably an albino, an albino out there albino somewhere. Shows up, right? I'm sorry. Like, you know, um, and he's tall and, and he can flip pancakes. And I'm like, girl, I can flip pancakes and one of my eyes don't work. Like, come on. Like, you know. Right. But if you're like a nine year old. I know. She was seems, little. So. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Fine. I just. Fine. Right. So then, of course, like the star, and I thought they did a kind of a good job. Like that, because they introduced it, it was a thorough line. And like, of course, right. he's got the star because he's a lawman, and like, that's right. his thing. And they talk about symbols only have power when you give them to him. So, like, right. she even says to him, you know, you have your badge. Your badge doesn't stop the bad guys, it's the power behind your badge. Right. And I really liked that idea. It just falls apart because. He's like, I don't believe in this stuff. I literally just saw a ghost and my, my star <laughs> saved it, but I don't believe in stuff. Like, there's and I'm so like, much going on there. First of all, I would like to say that that spell that she does to like bring like the man that doesn't exist is amazing. And I would recommend that to anyone. Like anybody that's looking for like a partner, make the list, like make that list of things you cannot live without. And then like, you know, light some candles and make it special. Like don't be disturbed and sit there and say, what are the things that, you know, I can't live without? I want someone that has one green eye and one blue eye or someone who flips pancakes or, you know, whatever, whatever you want that to be. And then whenever you come across someone, match it up to that list. And then, you know, you know, what you can't live without. And this works for other things too. Like I had a friend who was trying to decide whether or not she should leave her husband. Right. And we did the same thing. We made a list. What are the most important things for you in your life? What do you want your in your life? And right. what do you want your partner to give you? And then make a list about your current husband. Does he match any of your shit? Like exactly. at all? Is there overlap? Is there a Venn diagram or no? Yeah. You know, and if he were to make a list about what he wanted in his life and what was important to his part, would you be on his list? Like, right. do you guys have similar goals and aspirations? So, okay. Sorry, right. go ahead. Yeah. Whether you make that a magical experience or not is up to you, but it's definitely something that could be morphed into a spell like is done in the movie. Second of all, the star is a major player in paganism. Mm -hmm. It represents the four elements and spirit. Um, in paganism, it has a circle around it to symbolize the interconnectedness of all the elements. It's called a pentacle. We just um, talked about this at the... Um, or pentagram, rather. We just talked about it, on, and you can read more about it on our website because of the Da Vinci Code. Uh, Lots yes. of pentacles and pentagrams over there, yes. and a whole little blurb and, like, pictures and crap. Okay. So, and, and then in paganism... The pentagram 
it is used often as a ward against negative energy. So in the movie, like it was clever that the star was, you know, scarred Jimmy when he touched it because he was evil. He was negative, And then that was protecting Gary, Gary, mm-hmm. like I almost said Glenn, it's Gary. Um, and so like, that was a good part of, you know, witchy symbolism that was stuck in the movie. Right. But also he didn't believe in it. But he didn't believe in Yeah. So that part, that was contradictory because he's saying he doesn't believe in it, but you need to believe in order for those Yeah, that star wouldn't have not worked on the apparition of Jimmy up in the attic if if Gary hadn't believed in at least a right. little bit. Like that was part of the whole point. But I guess he believed in the power of the star as far as like it protects so him he's gonna believe the see that that gets into like the cherry picking i believe in yeah. my magic star but i don't believe in your family's curse like yeah you know what i mean i don't yeah. know and like speaking of the curse the book just kind of forgot about the curse like what the hell's gonna happen to ben yeah and and gary and yeah. all the other boys because everybody gets a boyfriend yes. in the book yes but now the curse is just gone somehow and in the mm, movie i don't know that it's gone well i mean i'll die later gosh, next well, year apparently <laughs> There's, there's more books in this series, so yes, maybe. Oh well, you know, maybe maybe they have to break the curse later. But like nobody's book. even concerned about the curse. I guess no, like after yeah. Sally's husband Michael dies, then there's no more concern about yeah. the curse, and that's because you would think if you were Sally and you're like maybe you believe, maybe you don't, and then you've got daughters, like yeah. maybe you'd be like, hey girls. This is a thing. Like, yeah. could you be a lesbian? I know you can't have a lot of choice, but like, maybe yeah. if you fall in love with women, we could just sidestep this whole people that you love yeah, die I guess business. It is very specific. That men, it's, for it's, men. it's right. because heteronormative, man. 90s. We should all just become yeah. lesbians. That would solve all of yeah. our. Lesbians were just getting to be okay then. Yeah. So, if this book was written now, wasn't mainstream. Wasn't. No. 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 Whatever. Anyways, but in the movie, they do their thing. The, the white light happens. Jimmy's mm-hmm. gone. According to Wikipedia, this, this broke the Owens curse of the women. I, I, okay. Because Wikipedia says so, but in the I, movie? that's what it says. On- I think in the movie it broke because the townspeople like came together. So that's and what broke became the- friends. So, so men will not die for loving them anymore because they now have their community support. Yeah, because the townspeople are no longer against them. I feel like it's very muddy. It is a little muddy because it was, yeah, I think and nobody because said, the townspeople oh, look, were going to hang some... her and then they're they, like they not going to like try to kill them anymore. <laughs> Did you notice, though, that the charm that the girls are wearing are pieces of the rope from Mary's um, yes. noose? Noose. Yeah, yeah, they pulled it out of the... the yeah, Mary's, I that was clever. Mary's, they called it Mary's rope. Um, or something like that. They, yeah. they it was an actual yeah. name for it. Yeah, let's not use that very so, often. <laughs> um, but I did think it was also interesting that the aunts left. They were like, "Clean yeah. up your own mess." But then they they were obviously somewhere, and they're like, "Yeah, it's not going so well. We better show back up. We got here almost in the nick of time." Right. Right. You right. know, um, I like that. They're like, eh, "We must be getting old. <laughs> we almost didn't make it. <laughs> we almost didn't make it." Yeah, for sure. So it's like kind of like that letting go. And in the book, definitely was a coming of age for everybody. Everybody grew except for the aunts, but everybody grew and changed and became yeah. something. In the movie, we really didn't see that. But the yeah. idea of your parental unit going away and letting you struggle and try to fix your own problem, especially a problem you created. Right. Let's not be, you know, right. um, it's a good, it's, it's a good thing. I think that's something that as parents, you know, and their parental types that 
you have to do. I don't know that I would have waited until they were adults like that. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some things need to be taught younger. Yeah, but um, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of townsfolk, I wanted to point out that the townsfolk all being scared of them and calling them names and all mm-hmm. that. That's like very normal. Like that's something that happens a lot. The people are scared of what they don't understand. And so a lot of people are scared of witchcraft and scared of paganism as a whole because they don't really understand what it's about. Right. You know, they think it's devil worship and i think it was good in the movie where sally goes oh there's no devil in the craft because there there is no devil in the craft i thought it was good that in the movie they're like oh everybody's scared because they don't understand her and i think that it was aunt francis that says that you know people are scared of what they don't understand Mm -hmm. and i thought that was a good part yeah and once they invited all the women in and showed them, you know, right, what it was, Right. then then it was better. Yeah. We didn't talk about the house. Yes, yes. Okay. So in the movie, the house is gorgeous. Like, I love the house. Most people of, of my persuasion love the house. Like, it's, it's almost like a character of the movie. Like, it's such its own thing. The set designer left this movie and became an interior designer ah. because people loved that house so much and wanted it recreated in their home so much. So she's like a designer for, like, super wealthy people. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's very different. Like, the house is black. The fence is black. The windows are, like, the green glass and covered over. And it's dusty, except for, like, the... um, The parts that Sally cleans. (laughs) The part that Sally cleans. And the the banister is always, is never dusty, which I thought was cute. It's a little spell on the banister for whatever reason but they're always up like on the dusty stairwell with the picture of mary owens that nobody ever notices but it's well, and the so house is light gorgeous. it's light and beautiful in yes the movie. yes yeah. as are the aunts like i feel like they it, it was a cognizant choice to be like okay witches already have this negative thing but our movie is light and fluffy and we're gonna light yeah. and fluffy up everything yeah and it's very like east coast like magical sort of and we're right here by the water. Right. Yeah, exactly. But in the book, they talked about like having no clocks and no mirrors. And that's very pagan because no clocks creates a space without time. And they're very, you know, in their own world. Now, like if you do a ritual now, you don't have any phones in you know, with you when you're in circle because you're creating a a space without time. The mirrors are considered gateways to other planes or like a portal that you can let other enti- entities into your home. And so, you know, it was just good, good writing that she didn't have any mirrors in the home. Um, and also from, you know, a womanly standpoint, I guess, is that you're not constantly looking at your reflection you're not focused on your appearance you're more focused on your internal work i guess mm-hmm. oh and then for the townsfolk blaming them for everything that's happened yeah, since Hundreds, women were in the woods women, with the yeah. herbs yeah you know oh you know the the field crops died oh you know my cow it's, sneezed oh she's a witch the same thing of yeah. you know blaming the midwife when the baby dies right exactly you know, and even for people who don't, you know, quote unquote, don't believe in witchcraft, but then as soon as something bad happens, you know, all oh, it must be, you know, that witch's fault. I do want to talk about yeah. the the quote the the spell of the 
margaritas in the movie. So the aunts yeah. wake them up in the middle of the night because the night they're margaritas. making margaritas. And first of all, they must have put a spell on the girls to sleep through it because those ladies were right? noisy. <laughs> okay. Second of all, the girls knew what margaritas meant. That meant, like, they heard the blender and they knew uh-huh. and they both got excited before they even went downstairs. So you're like, okay, so right. this has happened before. But... When you, if you watch it, you're like, okay, they're drinking margaritas. They all get a little bit drunk. The aunts get some answers. Right. But the aunts were basic, they were chanting and, and saying these things as they were putting the stuff into the blender. And it almost sounds like they were making like a cauldrony thing. But then of course it's the margaritas. And I was like, right. oh, that's funny. They're pretending like they're casting a spell. Then you watch the scene and you're like, nope, they were casting a spell uh-huh. because it was like Tourette's. They were like spilling things and saying <laughs> things they didn't mean to say. And you could tell the like stalker chanting, sober stone cold but like playing with them do you right, know what I mean to right. get them to the point where they would say what had actually happened right. and to finally speak the truth and to push them on that and I just thought that was a really great melding again yeah. of the practical and the magic when right. you have somebody who won't tell you the truth and sometimes liquoring them up is the way to get it and <laughs> yeah because you know you're you're much more loose-lipped when you have a little alcohol in you right, right exactly and so I just thought it was it was just great. I love yeah. that scene so much. I yeah. thought it was just really, really, really well done. Right. And, uh, and you know, the whole of them singing the song that Jimmy was singing, the, mm-hmm. you were always, always on my mind. You always on my mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're always on my mind. And that's, that's much, you know, very much an empathy or a thing where, or an empath thing rather, mm-hmm. where they were pulling the energy from the bottle and catching on to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so really they, cause they were drinking the margaritas too. So they were pulling information, mm-hmm. you know, whether from the girls or from the situation in the air yeah. um, as well. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was well done. Uh, did you want to talk about the sparrow? The sparrow wasn't in the movie, but it was a part of the book. So in the book, the sparrow comes into the house every year. No matter what they do, the handyman comes. First of all, everybody's scared of them, but they can still get a handyman to come to the house. Certainly. I thought that was weird. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Um, so they get a handyman. They close up every you know hole that they could find, but the sparrow still comes in and circles around the dining room three times. And it's supposed to symbolize having trouble for the next year. So it's one sparrow, even though a sparrow actually symbolizes protection in numbers. And they're flock birds, which is why it's production numbers. And they travel together. So when you see a sparrow alone, it's caught your attention. I would imagine this would be due to needing to find your flock or being separated from your flock. And then the bird circles three times. Threes are about communication. So it makes sense that at twilight, which is, you know, a time of sorrow and one sparrow and circling three times. So when they say, oh, it equals trouble, you know, that kind of makes sense. But if they were real witches and they knew like the symbology, which symbology plays a large part in in the craft they would have just said oh yep another year of trouble they would have seen you know something more along the types the lines of like yep we're still not working together we're still not (laughs) talkingly open with each other because birds are communication and you know so here comes another year of trouble for us owens women until we get our act together (laughs) it was so close to being good (laughs) 
and then oh the bird hearts and and the needles and the birds um, well okay so the the aunts in the book their magic is less kitchen witchy it felt to me as an as a not kitchen witchy person exactly but more voodoo almost with like stabbing this dove in the heart with a needle and yeah. you know these things and these charms and etc yeah and also the town needed them like the women would come to them but they right. didn't want to acknowledge it. Right. So it was like a weird dichotomy also, the shameful thing. Yeah, it's like they earned part of their income through this yeah, enterprise and making, that they had. And making the black soap that they sold to fancy people for yeah. lots of money, which of course... Well, like apothecary work is very made me popular think, among... It just made types. me think of Fight Club. And I was like, huh, Tyler <laughs> Jordan and the aunts making soap. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, the, the birds and stabbing the birds. Yeah. And then Natalie was a vegetarian and they left yeah. all of that out of the movie pretty much. I mean, they had her stab the bird in the movie, yes. but, but we didn't really get the repercussions of stuff in the movie the way right. we did in the book. Like right. in the movie, we had the woman come and she stabbed the bird and the girls were horrified. Right. But we didn't get the second part of that where the guy she like had the spell on right. followed her around until the day he died and drove her absolutely insane. So much so that she became mute. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. And then be careful what you wish for. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the, one of the lessons here. Yes. Is the be careful what you wish for. Yeah. And I feel like the other lessons would be um, don't piss off a witch. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to make something that doesn't exist, be more creative than two different color eyes. But that's not me. <laughs> well, modern day pagans generally do not condone animal sacrifice. I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. It's frowned upon in general practice. Although it did happen from by witches and other religions throughout history. It, it's also a great scene to consider how everyone's going to be affected by a spell, including yourself. Again, looking at all angles and considering all aspects before you put something out there like that. I think she said, I want him to desire me so much that he can't stand it. Or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Like, that's horrible. Right. You're, <laughs> you're putting pain on someone. Right. Um, and let's not forget he was married. I'm just, you know, she wanted another man's wife. It wasn't yeah. even. Yeah. Yeah. And that's shitty. So women don't, don't steal. Don't. Oh, the death watch beetle. Yeah, so that, that's a thing. That is a thing. That's a superstition. That is an actual thing. It's their mating call, but it does, uh, supposedly forecast approaching death. Apparently it's from people that were watching over people that were going to die anyways. And then they would hear the beetle and then they died. So. I don't know. It's kind of coincidental, but apparently that's a real superstition. Um, Roger Ebert said, One day Sally hears the Death Watch beetle beneath the floorboards. Desperate, she tears up one floorboard, then another. How does this work? Your husband lives if you squish the beetle in time? Soon she's <laughs> torn up the entire floor, a job that would take union carpenters hours, if not days, and is not necessary <laughs> because anguish can actually be demonstrated by the manner of which you tear up floorboards, not by how you tear them up and how many you're able to get through. The extra floorboards, like the extra songs in the movie, are overkill. And I have to... I mean, it was a good visual, but yeah, it did kind of like, what are you trying to do? Like, if you, I think it showed her desperation, though. It, it even did. Even though she knew that if she did find the beetle and squish it, it wasn't going to change, like, the omen that she received. Right. But she was just desperate to do anything. Which was different from her mother, because we saw her mother in the beginning of the movie, heard right. it... 
the Death Watch beetle right. and then just looked sad and then that was the end. We didn't yes. get the desperate of that. Yes. And so I And then feel, she just died of a broken heart. She died of a broken heart, which in the book the parents died because a fire got started because of freaking lightning, right? Like there was a there was lightning and then a fire and then Yeah, and they were so in love with each, each other, other that they never even smelled the smoke and got yeah. out. They just perished so, making love to one another. <laughs> I think maybe another little lesson here is um, you know, smoke detectors. And right. <laughs> avoid lightning. Stay inside. Stay inside when there's lightning. Right. And, um, you know, maybe be careful about love. Like, I feel like there's there's the all-encompassing love that, like, rules you. And that right. is maybe not the best kind of love. Maybe the better kind of love is the more quiet, mature companionship love. Although, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the book isn't saying that because nobody seems to get that. Everybody has the... Right. Wow. Well, okay, that, that there's some symbolism that kind of leads to that. So in the movie, the flowers that grow are roses. Yes, not lilacs. And yeah, in the book, they're lilacs. So the, in, the roses signify just romantic love, right? Mm-hmm. But lilacs are that first emotion love and, you know, that um, new relationship energy that is like intoxicating and crazy making and like infatuation driving Mm -hmm. that I thought that in the movie and the book, he was infatuated with her. And especially that scene where he wants to even go with her to the bathroom because he's so infatuated with her. Mm -hmm. And so the lilacs growing were, were good symbolism. Was it because he was infatuated with her or is it because he was a control freak? Yes. Can you <laughs> both? I think, it, I, yes. And I, I think it was. And that's why she drugged him so she could go see her sister and right. then get back before he noticed. By the way, the cinematography, the, the visual effect of her driving and the time, and yeah. the time changing, the time lapse was just beautiful. Uh, some of these, some of the shots in this movie were, yeah. were just very, very beautiful. Yeah. The things that they did with light. And the soundtrack. And it's beautiful. The soundtrack I found a little cloying. I'm I with Roger Ebert. Soundtrack. I feel like it was a little too much of the, of the telling us what we were supposed to feel based. Uh, Literally, the song before they have their big epic kiss, Sally and Michael, is the song by Faith Hill called The Kiss. Yeah. And like, as it starts, you're like, oh, someone's about to get kissed. Like, I don't know, whatever, fine. But the, 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 the lighting I thought was beautiful in this movie. Um, yeah, that was because we didn't see him abuse Jillian really, until right. he was trying to kill her in the car, it was, right. you know, and whatever. We didn't have that that foundation. So what we had was that he was controlling and she right. needed to get away from him. Yeah, you had that, I think, from from the music and also just from the tone that and his acting, yes. that you see that he's, like, dominant and, and dark and controlling. And, you yeah. know, he puts the... Blindfold. The blindfold over her eyes, you know, without her ask, you know, without asking her, you know, without her giving any she sort seems of consent. Pretty into it, but she was into it, you know. But they were he, making the eyes while she was dancing with other guys, and then yeah. making the eyes at him. And what I mean, yeah, it was a yeah. Again, the book did a much better job of fleshing out that abusive. Yeah. relationship and yeah. how you get into that and then how you get trapped in that. Right. And the movie kind of had to speak through it. And at the time, they weren't really having, you know, conversations about consent like we are now. No, but, definitely not. Um, yeah. Oh, toads. Lots of toads. Toads um, are agents of transformation. So um, when you see um, 
it, the symbology there is, you know, how a toad, they go from like the egg to the tadpole to the frog and they completely change their shape through that transformation as they, as they grow uh, into adults. And so in symbolism for paganism, it's an, their agents of transformation. So I thought it was neat to see that where in, in the book, there's toads there too, but in the movie, it was neat where the toad, the one toad spits out the ring and mm-hmm. then the story changes like, Oh, well now, you know, now right. we have to deal with the death of Jimmy and you know, we all know he's there. And, and then the other, there was a bunch of toads when they dumped something out and a whole bunch of toads came out and then the girls gathered them up and dumped them over the fence. The chair, when she's roped, she's, Jillian is, right. is possessed possessed, and roped into the chair and they move the chair and all the frogs are underneath. And I think that probably they're saying, okay, you know, Jillian's got to change. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Something's got to change. The grossy. Plus it's gross. They're so. gross. Yeah. They're yeah. just, they're just gross. What? The blood oath, oath thing. Why did they, they were already siblings. Did you okay? So okay. in the movie, <laughs> this this happened in the movie and not in the book, but in I think it was because the audience they just they have to dumb things down and make it really easy to follow. So they're they're going to separate the girls who have been together their whole lives, right? And Jillian's going to go off on her her life adventure. adventure, and so she they symbolically cut their hands. In right. the wrong place, by the way. Yes. And then they touch their hands together, which also is how you get hepatitis. And yes. then they're like, okay, here you go. Right. We're, my now blood, your we're blood. We're bound together. together forever. But they already share But blood. that was the thing, because then when she needed her, she was looked at her hand, and then the other one looked okay. at her hand. Yeah. So, like, that was their connection yeah, point. I guess Okay, so. it was just, I think, reaffirming it so that the audience could follow. And then yeah. at the end, we had that beautiful, because then she slices her hand again, so right. now we've got... You know, the parallels and we touch your blood, my blood. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I, from the 90s, and also because I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, like, your blood, my blood, that's a Buffy Dawn moment. <laughs> right before the sacrifice. What's in your blood? Your, you know, runs through your veins. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, summer's blood and we're related and connected and that's, and blood magic and like, you know, plus they were young yeah. and, and stupid and that's a thing where kids do, you know, pinky promise and yeah. blood oaths and yeah. yada, yada, yada. Okay. <laughs> I will um, say that I did think it was like very unhygienic because she used her dipshit boyfriend's old nasty. Tea. Yeah. Ew, oh, I know. Yeah. Toss me your your knife. Ne- yucky. Oh, uh, he's a boy. He uses that to clean, clean up his, his nails. nails. <laughs> <laughs> he probably so fried gum off of shit with that. But yeah, Ew. go ahead, stab yourself in the hand. Yes. Oh, I hope you clean oh. that wound, girl. <laughs> uh. Sally did. I don't know about yeah. Jillian. They don't show the neosporin afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> or the infection. Right. <laughs> oh, my connection to my sister's really green. <laughs> and oozy. Ew. <laughs> oh, and then forever after someone's reading your palm and you're like, oh, I see herpes in your yeah. future. Something green and oozy. Yeah, gross. Sorry. <laughs> your lifeline's really been cut short. <laughs> But I'll bump. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, so you can't really bring people back from the dead. No. 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 Sorry. No. 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 no, no. Oh, the solstice. Mm-hmm. When the ants are like, oh, we can't skip solstice. We're on the committee. That is so pagan. <laughs> that is, that is like, obviously, like, it was 
I'm sure that was not written into the original script and like the consultant was like, I'm on the committee. And they're like, oh, we're going to use that because it had to have come from an actual witch. That is like a very pagan thing. And then dancing naked under the moon. Oh, of course, it's always optional. (laughs) Very pagan. All true. Made me laugh out loud. Um, Oh, the blood moon. Mm -hmm. Um, And the ring around the moon and. They don't really talk. They show the ring around the moon, but they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the blood on the moon is supposed to be bad luck. Um, Really, it's not. I mean, some. It's called pollution. Some people say it's, well, you know, it's eclipse thing. It's, yeah, (laughs) nowadays in the city, it's pollution. And then the extra ring, really, it's supposed to indicate that it's going to rain soon but clouds you know, so there is there it's is the reflection of the light yeah. around the clouds but, but yes okay so general superstition says if there's a ring around the cloud it's gonna it's uh or a ring around the moon it's going to rain soon but there is that um Maybe that little rhyme you know ring around the moon trouble coming soon right it's a thing but it's not like a it's not really like a well-used thing like right. it's old it's old superstition Right. And maybe the trouble is just that it's going to rain and, you you know, yeah. cancel that picnic. And in that scene, I think it is rainy, like the asphalt's all wet. It's yeah. overcast. Like it had been raining. Yeah. So that, yeah. Anyways. Oh, but Jillian wants her tiger's eye when she sees the blood moon, right? Mm-hmm. Now that is very pagan because tiger's eye properties are good luck and perspective and helps relieve um, anxiety and um, to rebalance yourself if you're into crystals. So if she was into crystals, she would definitely want her tiger's eye when she saw the blood on the moon. Although, if she had just gotten in the fucking car and the not taxi, gone back for the tiger's right? eye, she would not have gotten kidnapped. Yes. Now, I don't, I only noticed this when I watched this movie this last time, but the the car they're trying to get into is like a taxi. So like the taxi driver didn't notice. I thought they were getting into I thought Sally had a rental car. I don't it looked yellow. Maybe oh. it was the reflection of like I was very confused because she said something about like I'm gonna catch a thing and I wasn't sure are you catching a shuttle? Are you catching a plane? It's also the same night. Where did you go? Because it took Jillian a while to get there and I didn't feel yeah. like she and Jimmy were traveling. Like I just I was very yeah. confused about where things were. And like there was that- an on an island, right? They talk about them living on an island or like going to an island or being yeah. on an island, but then like there's no ferry mentioned, so is there a right. bridge? I don't yeah. know, you guys like but this this gets into that whole like suspension yeah. of disbelief. You're like, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, kidnapped. You just kinda have to get yeah. over some of those parts. Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone knew. Oh, they just didn't bother could, to put it in the movie yeah, for us to know, you know too. Those little details. You don't yeah. need to know that. Just know that they got back. Right. Right. Without That's the all the rest part. of her stuff or something. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, then Well, she just... traveled a lot, so she probably didn't have a lot of stuff. Well, but but she put her bag in whatever car, Sally, and then Sally's purse right. also, and then oh, they yeah. go back, and they now they're... Did. So then, like, yeah. did he say, okay, I'm going to kidnap you, but get all your stuff, put it in this trunk. Right. Like... You when never it... saw Sally canceling her credit cards. Oh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then, like, when they're pulled off the side of the road, the, I was watching this with a friend of mine, Amy, and she goes, why don't they just drive away and I said well if he's a smart kidnapper he would have taken the keys with him and then he gets in the car he's got the keys and I was right. like yeah so there you go like that yeah. made sense to me so a few things but not not all the whatever anyways yeah. um let's see oh when they're doing the spell to bring Jimmy back they are do- using Hecate they mm-hmm. they they, they invoke Hecate they invoke Hecate 
but they call her Hecate. They say it wrong. They say it wrong, which is drives me crazy every time. But Hecate is the goddess of the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's the goddess of ushering people over to the other side, making sure that they get to their wherever after you believe in. So it was interesting that they decided to use her to bring him back over to the mm-hmm. other side. Um, it's too bad that they couldn't get them to pronounce it correctly. But also, Pagany, in the movie, Aunt Jet looks at Jillian and says, and the bruise on her face and is, oh, mugwort will fix that right up. Mugwort, also called wormwood, is an, a topical anesthetic, an antibacterial and antifungal. So it relieves pain and burning and itching too. But um, so would, if would, they... Is it an anti-inflammatory? Would it take swelling down or would it just make your skin feel a little better? It's not, it's not an anti-inflammatory, but it's antibacterial. Huh. So, and it takes, and it relieves pain. So it's a pain reliever. So it probably would have made sure it didn't get infected and probably took the sting out of it. Okay. Sure. Um, It sounded cool. Yeah. 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 And it sounded cool. (laughs) Because, you know, mugwort is very pagany. Right. Yes. 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 (laughs) Oh, the most famous scene. Quote, rather. Keep rosemary at your garden gate. Add pepper to your mashed potatoes. Plant roses and lavender for luck and fall in love whenever you can. Which is so sweet. People have it as signs in their house. I want one for my house. Aww. Rosemary is purifying. And it symbolizes virtue and remembrance. And also, you don't need to water it very much. It'll just grow. Yes, especially here in California. Yep. Um, and then there's a little quote that's, Where rosemary grows, a woman rules. And that's very, you know, the feminism part of, of witchcraft. You know, you're, you're the ruler of your house. So keeping rosemary at the entrance to your home, at your garden gate, is very typical. Add pepper to your mashed potatoes. So this one is more specific to the book where they're fighting. Sally's making mashed potatoes and Jillian's like, add more pepper. <laughs> and, you know, Sally's like, oh, you're such a know-it-all now that you have a boyfriend. You know? <laughs> Now that you have been tamed and yeah. you're domesticated, yeah. and now you have an opinion about how the food gets cooked. <laughs> but there, there is some magical qualities to that where uh, pepper's a digestive aid, and it's great for focus, and it's a stimulant, and then um, it's also a symbol of protection. And then potatoes ground your root chakra. So adding pepper to your mashed potatoes would, like, revitalize your intuition and your confidence. Hmm. Um so even though I think it was just kind of like thrown in to like associate with the book, maybe there was a little magic to that, whether they knew it or not. And then plant roses and lavender for luck. Well, <laughs> I think that that's really a stretch. <laughs> I actually had to Google this because I was like, really? Like since when? And most of them, most of the results were um, specifically about the movie, <laughs> but um, yellow roses can be used for luck. So I suppose if you planted yellow roses, that would work. And lavender does have some folklore uh, regarding luck, but um, mostly, like mostly, it's like keeping evil spirits away. So well, it's lucky. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Also, lavender grows pretty well without a lot of water here in the Central Valley as well. Yes, so. and I do have lavender and rosemary in my yeah. yard. I'm so. not planting roses because they require so much water. Oh, and then falling in love whenever you can is just good advice. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
I enjoy being in love. <laughs> I enjoy being in love. I don't know about falling in love. And I don't know about the whole, the, this, but again, like this, this way of this love lust, this lusty love that happens to people in the book yeah. and the movie. I just, I don't truck with. And, um, in the book, it, yeah, in the movie, I don't know that they did love very well in either. Yeah, honestly. I would say it was, it was a good rom-com sort of love, but there there was a lot of lack of... Um, I personally feel for love to exist, it needs to grow. And in order for it to grow, you have to have shared experiences and bonding. I don't yeah. think you can love something instantly or some person. I think yeah. that that's lust. And that can be a foundation and sure, blah, blah, blah. But I don't... I'm personally not a love at first sight kind of person so okay and then also in in both of them the book and the movie the thing with sally and gary you know he makes the comment like you we would or she makes the comment you would never know if you were here because of a spell or because i because i needed you to cover for me and that doesn't really get resolved like he covers for her he commits a crime right okay but I mean, they buried somebody and, you know, like, whatever. I don't right. know what that would be in the book. I'm not sure what the crime is for burying somebody without alerting people that they died. But that is a crime. That is right. one kind of crime. Plus but burying somebody on a non-grave site. Like, that's allowed. a dead person almost, in your yard. That's, that's allowed. You just have to file paperwork. But the huh. thing is that he commits a felony. So that, you know what I mean? So, okay, fine, whatever. Um... But the idea of whether or not it's you're romantic, oh, it's a romantic it felony. <laughs> you know what? It was a what? token of his love for her. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's very gangster. Like, let me commit a crime to show you I love you. Yeah, <laughs> and not just a misdemeanor, baby. Right, it's a felony. I could go to serious time for yeah. this. <laughs> it's hardcore so, love. yeah i i I don't think that the book does or the movie did a great job with with romantic love i think that the they both attempted to do sister love with varying degrees i think that the book did a better job of sister love familial especially with the younger girls having the shared bond experience and then like growing up together and all of that stuff so, but the idea of falling in love whenever you can, like, I'm like, no, because I, no, I don't know. So, yeah. it sounds good. It looks good on a plaque, but yeah, it's not how I would live my personal model of life. Maybe if you think of it not associated with the book or the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the whole, you know, falling in love with your partner and continually to re-fall in love with your partner. I like that idea. Yeah, better than you know the the book where the yeah. the Cause I person being say, spelled lacks autonomy, right? And and um, Jillian fell in love an awful lot before she was cured of all that and she, became a good yeah, woman. So that's true. again, that's true. I just I don't like it. Whatever. Even though it, I think in in the book she said, you know, actually I don't know that I was ever in love before now. Ugh. Yeah, and his magic wand penis. Now yes. I'm in love. <laughs> 
<laughs> because he was the first guy who treated her nicely. So, like, again, like, right, but come yeah. on. Well, I don't know, because everybody was always falling over her. So I'm sure a lot of people... That's how he fell in love with her. He was literally sitting in a restaurant, That's and she true. walked past him, and he That's was like, ba-doing, 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 ba-doing. Yeah. Okay, there's hand yeah. motions here. And then, like, followed her over, and her whole family bailed on her because she'd done something shitty. And so she, she cried, yeah. and he fell in love with her while she cried, and they right. shared food. As a mother, I would also have been mad. Pissed off. Somebody cut and dyed my child's hair. Right. Dude. Especially the sister that you have not seen for years and just walks into your family and makes major changes. (gasps) No. 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 Mm -mm. (laughs) 13? No. No. And it was sad. I didn't touch on it. But, like, Sally had saved money. To give her a special piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. And then Julian just kind of rips something off. She's like, oh yeah, here, have this. Because yeah, I need she to loves have it a so birth- much more because Jillian is the cool, cool aunt, aunt, not yes. the mom. Yeah. Uh, grumble, grumble. Yes. As a mother, I read this very differently than I did, you know, as a young 20-something. Yeah. yeah. My child has a cool aunt who does cool things with her. And that's great. And I love her cool aunt, and I'm not jealous most of the time, but every now and then I'm kind of like, you know, I'm cool too. I'm a cool mom, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Anyways. Yeah. That's all I had. So, um, very last thought. Was it worth your time? Yes. I'm so glad I revisited both. Yes. Yes. I think that watching it now as, as a mother, as a older adult, um, I got very different things out of it, and I felt really good about both still. Well, yeah. no, I, I didn't like the book first. Now I like the book, mm-hmm. and I still really enjoy the movie for what it is. I will say I really liked the writing style of the book. I found it very beautiful. Um, I definitely have some quibbles with some plot things, and yeah. like I said, but I liked the overall story. I found it engaging and compelling and just very, very beautifully written. And the movie is, is harmless fun. Yeah. So totally Cute. worth it. And as a pagan, you can see the symbolism in it and still enjoy it for a fun fantasy romp. Awesome. Yeah. It has been a complete delight having you here. Thank you. This was so much fun. And (laughs) I'm so glad that this worked out. And um, do you want to tell the nice people if there are a place where people could find you if they have questions about paganism or just in general? I am on Instagram as Mama Brand Rocks, and um, I'm sure you can put that in the show notes for those that want to find it. I post lots of pictures of my family. Um, I do tarot, uh, witchcraft, food. You, you teach an occasional class. I at a local- do. I teach classes um, here in Fresno, and I can also also uh, travel uh, within, you know, the greater California area on witchcraft and uh, magical theory. Um, a lot of those classes are here in Fresno in the Central Valley right now. And I also run Sabbaths here in the Central Valley. And I'm also available to do that elsewhere. So uh, feel free to reach out. And um, I'll probably set up some sort of Facebook page for that um, in the near future. And when I do, I'll give it to you. Okay, great. And we're recording this early. So if that is there, when 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 this goes live, I will link it. And if it's not, we'll link a little thing that says to be announced later. And then someday we can always come back and add it on to the pages and popcorn dot com. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. This was fun. Yes.